You're listening to Smith Talk with Keith Smith. That would be me, free-thinking American educator, bringing you conservative commentary and analysis on the news of the moment, along with life advice and random facts. Currently, I teach civics and economics to high school seniors. I am a U.S. military veteran, active duty Air Force, Army National Guard, and Air Force Reserve. Thanks for listening. Hello, good to be back with you after a week off. Hadn't posted any episodes last week. We were on the road traveling, dropping our oldest child off, our daughter off at college, freshman in college. She's in a good place, a good university. We're very glad. It was a good experience. Back to school, kids in school. I'm back with school students, seniors in high school, molding the young skulls full of mush, hopefully helping them to learn how to think for themselves at a higher level and problem solve, teaching U.S. government civics and economics to uh, high school seniors. Lots of fun. It's interesting. They come to me after 12 years in public school education, most of them in public school, and many of them, I would say most of them, struggle with higher order thought, higher order thinking. And it's it's like for the last 12 years, somebody has just spoonful by spoonful fed to them soup or porridge from a bowl. Here you go. Open your mouth. Take it. This is what you're supposed to think. Here you go. Here you go. And this is what you need to know to mark the answer on the test and so forth. And it was especially like this when we had the standardized testing and fill in the bubbles. And it was all about teaching to the test. Anyway, I don't do that with my students. Try to teach them to think, give them information that they may not get from multiple sources, from multiple perspectives. And hopefully when they leave my classroom at the end of the year, they will be more capable of functioning in today's society and and thinking for themselves and making good choices and participating in our democratic process in this great republic that is the United States of America, greatest country in human history. If you look at the timeline of human history, from the beginning of recorded human history, we know people were living in caves and hunting and gathering all the way forward through all the different epochs of time, all the way up to the present day. And you look at that, and you look at the United States, within the context of that framework of the timeline of human history, it truly is a unique and wonderful place and wonderful idea. And that's what I try to communicate among many other things to my students. But that's a story for another day. We're going to start out today with the Wicked Witch of the West again. We have a Nancy Pelosi update. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Let's go. Let's roll it. Don't mess with me. How can they vote against the planet? Mother Earth. Mother Earth gets angry from time to time, and uh, this legislation will help us address all of that. Ah, so there you have it, folks. There's Nancy Pelosi, the Wicked Witch of the West, speaking after the passage of last week. It was after the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. Very deceitful naming there. But of course, it you know was passed by the Democrats, and they're going to word game and play with it and try to convince everybody that it's something that's not gaslight. Everybody, everybody knows it's not going. In fact, the recent polls show that over seventy percent of the voters in the United States, both Democrat, Republican, and also Independent, over seventy percent do not believe that it is going to actually reduce inflation. In fact, the Congressional Budget Office we know says it's not going to. What it really was 
was a scaled down version of Joe Biden's uh, so-called build back better, his green new deal. And she was talking there, Nancy Pelosi was looking smug in front of a group of Democrat members of Congress, kind of smirking and smug looking. And Nancy Pelosi talking about this spending over 400 and around $430 billion in climate alarmism spending. But clearly, most people do not believe, most people are not hoodwinked by this. And so funny. I, I didn't know Nancy Pelosi was in such communication, such tune with Mother Earth. Uh, she's basically telling us there. I mean, well, I don't know. She is the Wicked Witch of the West, so I mean, maybe you know, maybe, a, maybe she does have some sort of line on uh, nature and Mother Earth and communicating with those uh, pagan Mother Earth spirits or whatever it is. That Mother Earth is going to somehow be more happy since we're going to go. Another oh, close to half a trillion dollars in debt, spending money on random things that are not going to do anything to help the economy, not going to do anything to help the average person, and in fact going to hurt a lot of people more than help a lot of people. And there she, there she was talking about that. And Mother Earth is, Mother Earth gets angry with us from time to time. What a nut! You know, can can she explain why more than two hundred and thirty? Leading economists have declared that this so-called Inflation Reduction Act is expected to contribute more to our skyrocketing inflation, that it is further going to place a burden to slow down the U.S. economy. They don't care. They absolutely don't care. The ends justify the means. And there's our Nancy Pelosi update of the week. In other news this last week, CNN. Now, if you swipe to the left or swipe to the right on your smartphone and get your news in that way, which I advise that you do not because it will go to a source such as CNN or MSNBC, ABC, NBC, NPR, something like that on your Apple phone or your Android, your Google phone. I have a Google phone and it it feeds me information that I like. News, I like to read about history and archaeology and it gives me that which is interesting. But when it comes to politics, it will not source a conservative, what you could say, right-leaning news source. Additionally, there is no more ob objective media in the United States. Objective journalism, I should say. It's either right or left. Mainly, well, you know, anybody that's conservative and knows this, you have Fox News, and then you got Newsmax, and then everything else. And if you subscribe to Blaze TV, which I suggest that you do, you got that as well. Love to watch uh, Mark Levin on there. And his show, and, and, and Glenn, Glenn Beck has some great stuff too, and the other shows that are on there, the Rubin Report, uh, Louder with Crowd, and all that. So, but objective media in the traditional sense of media is dead, it's gone. And so, here, here this last week, uh, this is 10, this is about 10 days ago. The dateline on this article from CNN is August 15th. And here's the title of this article The U.S. Economy Didn't Get the Recession Memo. We've been busy, as I mentioned this last week, haven't had a chance to to talk. This has been on my radar, something to talk about for a few days now, this particular article. And by the way, the guy that wrote this, the supposed finance analyst, uh, Matt Egan is his name, works for CNN Business. I would not let him into my high school economics classroom to talk to seniors in high school about economics because this article is is cynical, it's disingenuous, and it's designed to present a false reality to the readers. It is pure propaganda is what it is. 
It's not objective in any way, shape, sort, or form. So let me go ahead and read it to you here. Again, the title of this article is The U.S. Economy Didn't Get the Recession Memo. New York, CNN Business, the economy didn't get the memo that it's supposed to be in a recession. The brutal GDP report released on July 28th showing the economy had contracted for a second quarter in a row led some to insist the much-feared recession had already arrived. So here he's setting the stage to try to tell everybody that the economy really, really isn't as bad as you as you know that it is or that you feel it is. Ignore your spidey senses. Ignore the neighbor that you have that may have lost their job or got their hours cut at work or they had to take an additional job to make ends meet or your family member that you know that's in, in hard economic times. Yourself, the feeling you get when you go to put gas in your gas tank or buy groceries and you get less now than you did a year ago. We just took a 10 hour road trip to drive one way to drop my daughter off at school, 10 hours one way, and we've made the same trip before and filled up with gas. A year ago, it was anywhere between 60 and 80% cheaper to buy gasoline, to fill up or to fill up our car with gas. And it was, it was significantly cheaper to buy groceries and food and things like this on the trip. We all know, and, and the, what he's doing, he's setting the stage here to try to tell you that what you know is true really isn't true. I continue reading here. And in some ways that makes sense since 1948, every back-to-back -back period of quarters of negative growth coincided with a recession. But the recession is already here argument has been severely undermined since that GDP report came out. A series of events in the past 10 days, so from August 5th to August 15th, a series of events between August 5th and August 15th suggest that those recession calls are at a minimum premature. Yes, the economy is cooling off after yet last year's gangbusters growth, but, but no, it does not appear to be suffering the kind of downfall that would qualify as a recession. And then he says, consider the following developments. Let me read through these. The economy has added more than a half a million jobs in July alone. The unemployment rate dropped to 3.5%, tied for the lowest level since 1969. And I might add, 2019, right before COVID. He conveniently leaves that out. Inflation chilled out, relatively speaking, in July for both the consumers and producers. Gas prices tumbled below $4 a gallon for the first time since March. Consumer sentiment has bounced off low records. The stock market notched its longest weekly winning streak since November. Well, now, let me take these one by one and paint a, real, a more complete picture for you here. Number one, the economy has added more than half a million jobs in July alone. If you listen to, I believe it's episode five of this podcast series, which I started not too long ago, I delve into that more deeply and I completely debunk this. Here's what happened. And any, you know, I'm, I'm a high school economics teacher and this guy's writing for CNN. Really, I don't consider myself an, e an, an expert in economics. Yes, I have pieces of paper that say that I am qualified to teach this subject and I have master's degrees and, and so on and so forth. However, I have never worked as an economist, I'm not, I, I don't, as a, as an analyst, I would, the last thing I would expect is for somebody to call me up and ask for advice. However, that notwithstanding, I know that this guy is full of it. Here's why. For the last three months in a row, the labor force participation rate has not changed. It hasn't changed. 
meaning that the same number of people employed for the last three months or, or three months ago is the same as it is today. It has not changed. The labor force participation rate tracks the number of people actually working. And it is a far more accurate number to look at than the unemployment rate. Why? Because the government can track who is working. Why? Because of payroll taxes that are deducted. People work and they their payroll taxes are deducted or they're working as a, a, a gig worker, 1099, things like this. Anyway, long story short, they can determine how many people are working. And that is calculated. Economists look at that. In fact, to me, it bears a lot more weight in looking at the, the employment picture in the United States and looking at, looking at the unemployment rate. Why? The unemployment rate, when somebody times out of receiving unemployment benefits, they don't get counted anymore. They don't. And maybe they've been unemployed for X amount of months and the time expires and they're not counted anymore. So how is it that the unemployment rate so this guy's first two points, the unemployment rate dropped to 3.5%, lowest level since 1969 and 2019. Thank you, Donald Trump, right? And added more than half a million jobs, specifically 528 million jobs in July. How is it that we added jobs and yet the same amount of people are working? The labor force participation rate has not changed. He's ignoring this, totally ignoring it. Well, if you read that, Department of Labor data, more than half of those new jobs created, 303 million of them, were part-time. So here's what's going on. People are having a hard time paying their bills. They're having a hard time making ends meet, and they're taking a second job. They're taking an extra shift. They're leaving their job at wherever they work and going to work in the convenience store at night, things like this, to supplement the family income. The labor force participation rate has not changed because a large number of people a large number of these so-called new jobs that were, well, new jobs that were created went to people who already had jobs. So this is very deceitful. It's extremely deceitful. The fact that more people are taking part-time jobs is an indication that something is gravely wrong with the economy and it ties in directly with inflation. And that's this guy's next point. Inflation chilled out, relatively speaking, in July for both the consumers and producers. We had Joe Biden, president of the United States, out there gaslighting again, lying to the American people through his teeth and, and saying that we had 0% inflation. He said that we had 0% inflation. What he, what he meant was looking back, looking back a year. So we had, uh, it was over 9%, it was like 9.5% inflation from one year to the next in June. And then in July, we had, it went down a little bit. So it was like eight and a half percent from one year to the next. And he said, oh, we have a zero, zero percent inflation. Okay. Overall, one year later, we're paying a, on average eight and a half percent more than we were a year ago. So eight, inflation is at eight and a half percent year over year, not zero. That's a lie. Okay. So maybe a month ago it was on average nine and a half percent. Now it's eight and a half percent. I don't see it. We're, we're middle class. I'm a school teacher. My wife's a stay-at-home mother. I have four kids. When we go to the store, we don't see that. I don't see it. We're paying 20, 30% more for food. Now we're paying 60, 70, 80% more for fuel, gasoline now, than we were a year ago, than we were a year and a half ago, than we were two years ago.
Look at your savings account. Look what's happened to it. Look what's it, look at your spending. And they're trying to tell you that inflation is chilling out. What a cynical, sick thing to say. Gas prices is next point. I just touched on this. Gas prices tumbled below $4 a gallon for the first time since March. Holy cow. Come to California and buy some gas. I filled up the cheapest gas I could get the other day was $5 and 80 cents a gallon. $5 and 80 cents a gallon. And it's worse. You go over, you, you get to areas by the coast. People are still paying over six bucks a gallon. On average, we're paying 60, 70% more. Yes, the average price nationally has come down a little bit, but on average, we're still paying way more than we were when Sleepy Joe got elected, when he took office, 2021, January 2021. So January 2021, January 2022, here we are getting toward the end of August 2022. This economy is his baby. The first uh, quarter or two or three maybe of his presidency, I can see how he would say COVID and we're coming out of COVID, although his political party happened to inflict the most damage on businesses and people. This economy is his baby. He can't say anymore, oh, Donald Trump, oh, oh, you know, lately it's been Putin and, and Russia and Ukraine. This economy is Joe Biden and the Democrat majority in Congress. It's their baby. It is their policies that are creating these problems, especially gasoline and a lot of this inflation. And this CNN reporter who's out there touting the fact that the gas prices have come down a little, a little since March is absolutely premature. Seriously, how does this guy get a job doing so-called analysis, economic analysis at CNN? Uh, who knows? But anyway, um, and other reports, here's one for you from Market Insider. U.S. gas prices have fallen below $4 a gallon, but Americans should brace for another rally this winter, Bank of America says. And reading from you a little bit from this article, U.S. gas prices at the pump are likely to spike again later this year as demand remains resilient while global supplies fall. Here's the deal. Gasoline is subject to what economists call inelastic demand. This means that regardless of price, the demand stays fairly constant for gasoline, for fuel, diesel and gasoline. It is a need. Things that are necessities to people are subject to inelastic demand. So the law of demand says the higher the price, the less the consumer will buy. The lower the price, the more consumer will buy. If that law does not hold true, demand is inelastic. If demand responds to price, we say demand is elastic. I have to go to work every day. You have to go to work every day. I have to drive to work. I drive about 15 miles to work every day, one way and 15 miles home. I have to put gas in my car to drive to work. No matter what, I have to do it. We drive the kids to school, we go to the grocery store, we do these things, and yeah, maybe you cut out the road trip here or there, but you have to drive. And for this reason, most people in the United States, when they get around, they get around in a vehicle. Even public transit, even public transport on buses or whatever, a lot of that is fueled by diesel fuel or fossil fuel. And the demand for that is constant. The demand for transportation is constant. And because the demand is constant, when the price goes up or the supply diminishes, 
And in this case, in the United States of America, the Biden administration has hogtied industry, the, the oil uh, firms, the energy firms from going out, made it very difficult for them to open new refineries, something we haven't done in a long time, to drill new wells and increase supply, which can't be done overnight anyway. Made it very difficult to do that. And so the supply is fairly constant when demand increases or, or the supply diminishes, things like this, the demand is going to stay the same. And so the price is going to go up and they're, they're looking at global supplies decreasing and the therefore the price of gasoline increasing because demand stays fairly constant. So according to this article, global supply of gasoline or oil is down 0.3 million barrels a day relative to the same time period in 2019. So there is a diminished, we are producing less globally today than we were in 2019. Brent crude oil will go up 2.7% by the end of the fourth quarter to $100 a barrel. And West Texas crude will jump another 4% to up to around $95 a barrel. Don't expect gas prices to go down any sooner, or energy prices for that matter anywhere. This guy's next point, going back to his list here, consumer sentiment has bounced off record lows. Go look at the polling, buddy. Look at what people are saying about the economy. What are what the number one concern? I believe it was a Trafalgar poll uh, just a week or two ago. Number one concern that people have right now is the economy. Number one. And here we got the president and Congress passed this so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which is really the Green New Deal light, scaled down version of it, geared towards, and you know, it's geared towards, oh, we're gonna save the climate, rather. You know where climate pulled? It was number 11 or 12 on that list of concerns. And we go and we spend billions and hundreds of billions of dollars that the Congressional Budget Office and other independent analysts say that over, that was nearly 300 of the nation's leading economists say is going to add to inflation. And you add to that the, the student loan forgiveness to the tune of half, tune of half a trillion dollars, at least. Some people are saying it's gonna be upward close to a trillion dollars. You think inflation's going to come down? You think that's going to help? That's like going to somebody's house that's on fire and throwing gasoline on it. Last point this guy has here is the stock market notched its longest winning streak since November. You played that card too soon, buddy. Here we are. We're we're about 10 days off. This is this article's 10 days ago. And yeah, we had a little bit of turn turnaround in the stock markets for a period of a few days and he gets all excited. Oh, he's all excited. Oh, things are going to get better. Yes, we got to build back better and the inflation reduction act and and, and the economy is going to turn around. Here we are. The what he's not telling you is that just well just today the Dow Jones Industrial down over a 1000 points today. What did the Federal Reserve do? The Fed came out today and said, "Yeah, we're going to keep raising interest rates." Why are they going to do that? We continue to have inflation. Why do we continue to have inflation? Because we continue to put money into circulation. And therefore, the Fed, to reduce, to slow down the flow of money in the economy, has to raise interest rates, make it harder to get. So this is his point about the stock markets. Is It's it's a pie in the face to the American people, to the average reader. To, it's just very cynical. We had the worst first half of the year in the stock market. The worst performance in the stock markets in the last 50, what, 50, 55 years this year. This is Joe Biden and the Democrat Congress. This economy is their baby. And what they're doing, 
where are the independents and the moderates and the sensible people? It's common sense. This is common sense stuff. This is not far right. You know what they would say? Oh, that's the far right. You know what? What Biden out there calling everybody who's on the right a fascist this last week? It's not. The Dow is down over four thousand points. You look at the Nasdaq; it is significantly down as well. Worst worst performance of the stock market in fifty years, and they had one. They had a period of five days where you had a little uptick for five days, and this CNN analyst gets all excited and writes this article. Open your mouth and insert your foot. Eat some crow, buddy. Here we are, 10 days later, and the, the stock market's diving. It's crashing. I don't think we've hit the bottom yet. Eventually, we'll hit the bottom. We'll come back from this, I hope. But that's the state of affairs here. It's it's absolutely cynical, and I've had this article from CNN on my radar for a while here. People need to know. People need to know this. People know that things are not right. Go to reliable sources. Share with your friends. Listen to sources that are going to give you a complete picture. And to wrap up this episode, we're going to learn a new word together here. Actually, we're going to learn a couple of new words. Are you ready to expand your vocabulary? Here we go. Here is the first new word. It is a verb. Let's see if you can figure out what it means. The verb is, a verb is an action word, right? And we all learn this in, in school. The verb is petrify, to petrify. And I have two nouns for you. You know, noun is a person, place, thing, or idea, concept. Two nouns, petrifier and petrification. Petrifier and petrification. Any ideas what those words might mean? Now add them to the dictionary. The left, those on the left, leftists love to make up new words and force them upon everybody else around them. These new concepts, these new words. Well, here's the headline for you. Researchers claim that bachelorette parties are ruining LGBTQ plus safe spaces in Massachusetts, calling the process heterification. I read on here, and this is a Blaze article. Uh, Dateline was about 10 days ago. Two university educators, educators, I take it, let me pause right there. I am an educator. I take issue with this word, educator. As an educator, as a teacher, as a person, I have chosen the, the, the career field of education. And I personally believe, personally believe that I make a difference in the lives of my students. I teach them useful things. For example, I teach my economic students financial literacy. I teach them career readiness skills, life skills. I teach them about the founding of our country, the founding documents. I teach civics. I teach useful things, as do my colleagues, reading, writing, arithmetic, science. So two university educators, you will be hard-pressed to find a significant number of people that work at the university level who can truly call themselves an educator. They're more like propagandists and brainwashers. That's what they are. Anyway, I read on here. Two university educators warned readers of the Boston Globe that bachelorette party attendees in Provincetown, Massachusetts are asserting their privilege in the local LGBT safe places. They accused these mostly white women of attempting to escape their straight world 
by attending local gay bars and drag shows during their festivities. But wait a minute, I thought this was supposed to be a good thing. I mean, I, all through the month of June, I saw invitations. They were inviting children, gay, straight, anybody, come. It was family-friendly. Family this was supposed to be a family-friendly thing. And all of a sudden, these poor, mostly white women are probably extremely confused by this. But let me, let me continue here. The two educators, air quotes, educators, behind the op-ed are assistant professor of common health and director of the Health Promotion Center. Hold on. See, this is one of the problems with university. How much are they, how expensive is the university education? We got Biden out there for giving, you know, that is a topic for another day. Loan for student loan forgiveness. I'll just just really quickly say what I think about that. I worked my butt off. I served in the military. I and what the GI Bill didn't cover, I worked for and I paid for it. It's a slap in the face. It's a slap in the face to ask me and everybody else who works in this country to subsidize and pay for the education of somebody, especially somebody who went and studied from two professors like this. And one of the reasons education is so expensive is because they have things like Health Promotion Center at York College and a professor of community health, an absolute waste of time and money. But I, I continue here. This assistant professor of health of uh, health and a director of health promotion center and uh, named Vincent Jones the second sounds very distinguished Vincent Jones the second and professor and director of gender sexuality and feminist studies holy cow there's another one right there that we could do without professor and direct not just professor and director this means that this since this person is a director there are more people that work under her teaching this to your kids gender sexuality and feminist studies at middlebury college laurie essig jones and essig called bridal celebrations and lgbt spaces the process of heterification similar to gentrification the educators oh it, it pains me to say that blamed attendees of bachelorette events for ruining venues because they feel privileged to take over the spaces of others. They claim that even though these women only, quote, temporarily invade queer spaces, their presence slowly diminishes the integrity of the space. The educators stated again that these mostly white women want to celebrate in queer spaces to avoid the male gaze or sexual harassment. Really? Maybe they just really like, maybe they think they're fun events. Maybe think they think it's fun to go watch a drag queen do their thing. Did you ever think of that? Anyway, I, I'm going to skip forward in here. But there's your two new words, heterification. Uh, let's see. I, I read down here. I would skip down in the article. According to these, these two people, I won't call them educators, people, many gay and lesbian, uh, radicals, I should say, many gay and lesbian spaces were the result of white gentrification of neighborhoods that were primary, primarily black and Latinx. I don't know a single Hispanic person, including my wife, who wants to be called Latinx, Latinx. They prefer to be called Latino or Latina. I continue. But heterification, unlike gentrification, is an appropriation not just of space, but of culture. According to our LGBTQ plus interviewees, the women suffer from a, quote, will and grace complex. They think that they can shout, share lyrics and yell, yes, queen because they are welcomed into gay culture. 
our research shows otherwise. It goes on to say that these two people, these two radicals, went down to these clubs and interviewed women at these clubs and informed these, these women, attendees, patrons of these establishments who were bringing their business and money there, that they were, quote, heterifiers and that they were heterifying the space and appropriating LGBTQ plus culture. Wait, a minute, I thought that's what they wanted. Are these two persons who this Jones and Essig, are they, are they representatives of the LGBT community? Do those in the LGBTQ community, are they aware that these two people are speaking for them? Let's read from the article here again. During their research, Jones and Essig, discovered that the primary source of income for drag queens in the Provincetown area is bachelorette parties. Let's pause there for a moment and consider this. You have these two university professors that think they know way more than everybody else and that are probably over, they are overpaid and, and fulfill a useless function in society. Go down and they take it upon themselves to go down and stand in front of these establishments and tell the people who are patronizing them to go away. Do they not realize what a small percentage of the population might actually be LGBTQ and want to go and then want to go patronize that? They have spent years every month, just this last month of June, promoting tolerance and acceptance and opening opening up the uh, drag shows and everything, as I mentioned, and saying, everybody come, this is family friendly. And now, now they have tolerance. Now they have acceptance here and people showing up to the to these establishments, and now they want to tell them to go away. The left, the, this is just totally illustrates what happens when you go down the road of the far, that far fringe extreme left, and that's what this is. That's exactly what this is. They eat their own. This is just nutty stuff, people. Uh, are you a heterifier? Not me. I'm not a heterifier, and I don't participate participate in heterification. I'm not doing that, but are you? I don't know. I just taught you two new words there. Completely useless words. You want to go through my mind? <laughs> stupid! You're so stupid! So stupid. Yes, that was from the, for those of you who are fans of Weird Al Yankovic, the cult classic film from the 1980s, UHF, and the host. That was from the host of the game show, and that was in that in that film in that movie a weird owl and his buddy take over a struggling UHF television station and and uh, go blast to the top of the ratings with some really unique television shows in the market and one of the shows that they have is Wheel of Fish a spin-off of Wheel of Fortune and that was the game show host of Wheel of Fish uh shouting stupid so stupid anyway that's what goes through my mind when i think when i read this kind of stuff it's it's just absolutely nutty crazy crazy stuff but that's it for today i thank you for listening please share these uh feel free to send them out post them i do make spanish language episodes working on another one here uh that will they don't exactly mirror what i do in english sometimes they're completely different uh i do mean I, I go over some of the same stuff that i do in english and my goal is to as, since there are not a whole lot of sources for a conservative minded information out there as far as uh is in talk and radio or on television to to provide hopefully something like that for somebody so if you know somebody that is more comfortable in espanol 
Spanish speaking, share, feel free to share these with them. Send them, you know, send them the link to one of the Spanish language episodes of Smith Talk. But again, I thank you so much for listening. Until next time.